All right, what it is, what it do, what it look like. Running with war, getting it going on a sparkling Tuesday evening type of evening, make you want to be outside. And I'm hearing the fireworks already from the right. I could have bet, Chris, you probably got, I'm going to have to turn to the Sox game for, for it right quick. I'm guessing they did something good. Chris, are you hearing me? Chris, I don't, Chris, I don't know what's up with Chris. Chris, brother, what's going on? Oh, this dude is frozen in time. Great start. <laughs> get to another show. Ready with war, though. Uh, we'll try to get through this one as best as we can uh, for the next hour or so. Chris Pennant will see if uh, his connection will allow him to stay on with us for the whole show. Uh, Stephen, Stephen Gardner or Prigian Gardner will be on with us as well. Chris, are, are you doing better, man? I switched over to the other connection. It seems like it's working better. Okay, yeah, it, it looks like it so far. Let's hope we can uh, get through the rest of the hour. Uh, all right. I'll just uh, get the intro going. Uh, like I say, Stephen Prigian Gardner also uh, joining us momentarily. And a uh, special guest, Subria A. Whitaker from uh, – see, not, maybe you could help me out with this now since you've been on their program. Is it is it phonetically just Chicago or is it CHGO? It's CHGO, uh, Janice told me, because I, I asked her the same thing on uh, – on Friday night, I was confused myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, okay, I'm glad we straightened out. So it is it is like call letters. So that's fine. Uh, but uh, Sabria Whitaker, of C- the regular host of uh, the, the Chicago Sky podcast, uh, co-host along with Janice. And uh, that's actually what uh, our man here did on Monday. Uh you know, uh, in in Sabria's stead. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that as, later as well. And, and probably the back half of the show will be more WNBA-driven today. Uh, you know, we did. I did a little WNBA preview with my, my girl Stephanie uh, from uh, NBC Sports Chicago last week. Shout out to her. Uh, you can watch that uh, after this if you haven't seen it yet on our YouTube page. But uh, – so we, we did a lot of basic WNBA talk there. Today, you know, we probably just add on more to that talk. You know, we could talk about a reflection of the first weekend now. Of course, uh, you know, the Sky had a tough loss against L.A., uh, overtime loss. Uh, Chris was there. And, uh, you know, we'll, like I said, we'll get into that as well, as, as well as the, the breaking of the story of Diamond to Shields and her harrowing, uh, you know, injury, uh, you know, back procedure, this amazing story that came out over the weekend about, you know, what she had dealt with over the past couple of years uh, regarding her back and, uh, you know, how it affected her. And, you know, we, in, in real time, we all viewed her, we were all viewing her a certain way and it, in some way sort of led to her being cast off 
even after winning uh, a championship here in Chicago. But though she's landed well in Phoenix and uh, still a very talented player. But after, you know, with this story coming out, everybody just really just it just really took everybody uh, uh, aside and really, uh, you know, really makes everybody root for her, I think, on a different level uh, than, you know, even before. Uh, but like I said, we'll, we'll get into that as well. And, um, you know, do some, of course, some NBA talk. Uh, the, you know, the semifinals are, are in full effect. And, uh, you know, from last week, I was sort of speaking uh, a little bit like the these series weren't going to be too competitive or there was going to be a little bit lopsided in some ways, a couple of them in particular. But they're really looking to be very you know, the mo- majority of them, three out of the four, uh, are two, tied at two and two right now. And it looks like, you know, all three of them have a good chance of going at least six, if not seven games. Uh, we got a game going right now with Miami and uh, Philadelphia. And that series, you know, Miami, of course, took the first two games pretty easily. But, you know, those games didn't feature Joel Embiid. Uh, Joel B made his heroic return in game three and the series since, since then has really been in Philadelphia's hands. You know, they come back and win the last two games to tie the series. And, uh, you know, tonight though, I believe Miami has gotten off to the early lead. So, uh, you know, still a lot, still a lot of competition left in these semifinal series. And, uh, we'll uh, say go over that a little bit with Steph, uh, Steven, when he uh, gets on, but uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe we could start. You know, since I got you here alone, Chris. You know, with your your experience from the past weekend, uh, in the past few days or so. You know, from watching the Sky Game and everything live, the uh, the opener on Friday, to uh, you know doing the sub thing on the Chicago Scott podcast on Monday. How's things been going for you? Uh, you know, how, how's how's that whole experience been like over the past few days? It's cool. I mean, it's it's. I don't want to say it's nothing out of the ordinary because I wasn't expecting to come on to uh, the CHGO show. I appreciate Janice for uh, giving me the shot, and uh, Sabria as well for for being cool with that. So thanks to both of them. I'll say thanks to Sabria when she comes on later. Uh, but you know, it was unexpected. I think the game itself was. You never know what to expect going into the first game of the season, even with everything you talk about, uh, what James Kay and I have talked about on the Skyhook. So it was good to see, just to see the team come out on the floor, to see the fan response, um, even to see the multitude of media that was present. Um, I was talking to Janice about it yesterday. That's the most press I've seen at a, at a Sky opener since I've been covering the team. And, you know, that's due to a lot of different factors, um, mainly them being the the uh, prevailing champions. But still, it's cool to see. It's I'm okay with the fact that I didn't have a seat at the press table on Friday because I got there late. I wasn't able to get there for pregame just by circumstance. So I found a seat in the, uh, in the stands, and I was doing my thing from there. And... Um, one of the one of the local uh, big three news uh, news anchors was out there too, and he came in presumably from another event, and he was looking for a seat. Uh, Cheryl raced out, bless her soul, was looking for a spot uh, because Shout she came from, she came from Bears uh, mini camp up north, 
and you know there was a difficulty uh, trying to find the space there. So it's I think it's as um as Chris and Marlo would say, it's one of them good problems that the Sky have right now. So it's been cool, even though the Sky came out on the short end Friday. I don't want to derail us, Andy, but have you watched? Have you checked out any of that that uh, new series? We own the city. No, I, I didn't even know about this. You gotta, you gotta give me more info. Oh man, it's oh, you're talking about the the uh, the HBO the Baltimore joint. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I watched the first two episodes. I haven't watched this week's episode yet, but apparently there uh, is a scene where Dookie and uh, and Marlo are both in it as cops. And Marlo's all, Marlo, no, that's the shorthand, of course, for Jamie Hector. Right. He's play, he plays a homicide detective in the series. He's already been introduced. But this week they had a series, they had a, see, uh, a, see, uh, a scene as well where Dookie was playing a playing uh, a patrolman and he was in the scene as well. So it was really cool to see that. So I'm, I'm looking forward to watching. I might watch that tonight, but uh, looking forward to seeing that. That's yeah. dope. I know. I I saw the ads where um, Jamie Hector was on, um, on as as a detective along with everybody else, mm -hmm. and I, I could recognize. It still bugs me out that my man who played Old Dog has had all these roles. He he was on Barry, a show with Bill Hader, and now he's back in a Baltimore show. And it's wild all the stuff that he did on the wire as Old Dog to see him playing a cop, <laughs> like you know it's. <laughs> It's all the jokes about in the universe, like Marlo went straight, couldn't deal with it, and so he got admitted to the police academy. <laughs> you just fill in the blanks with the, with the story. Yeah, yeah it's, it's quite, you know, of course, quite a few Wire alums in that in that show. It's pretty good so far, definitely, as you could, as you would expect. But uh, mm -hmm. let's get uh, let's get Steven in once again in the drive through with us. What's going? What's going on, man? I'm not hearing you. There we go. Okay. Yeah. What's going on, big dog? Hey, what's going on? What's going on, man? Kyle, I'm not in the drive-through, man. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing with you, man. For sure. For sure. You know. No, you you a hardworking man, so. Again, appreciate you coming on right after your gig, man. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And we was just, uh, like I said, getting the show going a little bit. Uh, Sabria Whitaker uh, coming on momentarily. Once again, like I said, doing some WNBA talk. And um, we're going to do, like, I guess we before we get on, we can get into some uh, NBA stuff right quick. Um you know, given I, I I sort of teased that given that these most of these series, these semifinal series, are have to really tightened up. Uh, you got three of the series going at a, at a two two. Uh, you know, so you you got pretty much a best of three scenario for Philly and Miami going forward, and uh, you know Dallas and and the Suns, which really looks like that series could be. You know, very much more competitive than expected going into it, and uh, you know, of course, the uh, the Boston uh, Milwaukee series, which is looks like the most heated series 
of the playoffs so far, the way that they've been competing against each other, really old school sort of uh, playoff intensity there. I was, Steve, I, there's a story to you, man. Out of those three series in particular, you know, you know, after yesterday, it looks like Golden State, and especially with the uh, the, the news that job may not even come back for the rest of the playoffs, it looks like Golden State has that that remaining series handled. You know, of the other three, you know, what what series is really uh, really standing out to you, or or you know, if, if if all of them are, you know, what what do you think about the way that they're playing out? Honestly, man, as a as just a fan of basketball, independent of any biases or favorite players or favorite teams I might have, just the basketball, the brand of basketball that's being played right now on this specific stage with all the stars finally healthy and everybody's in the fold outside of the John Moran news that we just received today. I mean, it's, it's, it's a fantasy land. It's like Christmas and summertime at this point of the season. You know, <laughs> extremely competitive basketball being played in, like you said, three of the four series that we have left at the moment. And it seems like the three of those four, they're still trending upward as far as the intensity and the just competitive spirits. The teams are going to not like each other as they typically do you know, over the course of any seven-game series. And if you enter that three-game series phase, all of the adjustments being made by coaches, all of the adjustments and game planning and um, counters being used by coaches and players alike based off of scouting reports and everything, and all of the shared information that's gone on, on over the past four games, it's just, it's, just, it's just heaven right now, honestly. If I had to choose one specific series, like I said, independent of my personal liking, I would say that Boston and Milwaukee series is living up to expectations and then some. The fact that um, Boston started off the series rather slow, and then they got a counter from they got a counter from themselves, and then they got another counter from from the Bucks, and now they're back drawing. they been going back to Boston. I mean, what more can you ask for? That's like a short way of me putting as far as you know which series I like most. You gotta give it up to uh, for Horford, man. He's he's like forty seven years old. He's he's, he's out. We gotta there. we gotta stop this, man. <laughs> Al Horford is not that old. He's just been in the league a while. I, I'm, I'm I'm just saying, man. You know, he, he been he he has been in the league a long time. This, you can't. Ex- I mean, how can we expect him to go off like this at this point of his career and, and really help decide? A series for the time being, you know, man, he's he's been balling, and you know, a series where Giannis is dominating as usual, and there's all this rigmarole about how to officiate him and all this stuff. You know, he's he's stepped up, you know, and and been a force in the in the post on the other side, and of course, you know, Tatum has done his thing as well. The Boston is just a depressive team. I really like their will, and you know, for them to you know. However you feel about game three, they didn't necessarily allow that to overtake their feelings as a team. They went ahead and handled their business in game four. They locked the series back up, and now they have a chance, you know, with two more games uh, in Boston still to play to uh, to take that series. So, you know, I, you know, I don't know how it's going to play out, but, you know, like I say, Boston has – again prove themselves to have a certain medal that is worthy of possibly getting into the uh, the Eastern Finals. 
Yeah, people have been giving. I, I, a lot of friends of mine uh, really gave Boston more credence than I did. They said that had Brown not been injured, uh, that I think it was last year that they would have gone to the finals. And I was like, I don't know what y'all are talking about. I've never given Boston that much credence. I never have. But they are proving it. They're, they're flat out proving it. There's really nothing else you can say. Um, Jalen, uh, Jason Tatum is that dude. He is, he took that Mamba mentality to heart, point blank, period. And Al Horford is, you know, he's, I think some people see him as a serviceable big man, you know, right. but he has such a varied offensive game. And he has veteran savvy for a guy who's never been a great leaper. He's always had to rely to some to some degree on um, guile, trickiness, and the little things that get you in a good position to score that keep you on um, keep you a starting position on rosters. So that's why that's why part of the reason I was like, "Yo, y'all gotta stop calling Al Horford super old," just because he, he's been <laughs> I mean, in the NBA. That's an easy. Like I said, I take the easy shot, but that's a great <laughs> point, Chris. And you know, my 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 ribbing of him stems from that. Where when you look at him, like you say, he's a mostly under the rim player, and whether it's his defense or his offense, he makes ways and and he makes do in certain ways that you wouldn't expect. He's he's. I mean, he's like six. He's, you know, they measure him like a six nine. He's probably like six seven, six eight or something. And he, but he he defends guys bigger than him. He 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 keeps he keeps a presence in the post in the paint that is, you know, is always effective. Uh, and and he's able to go out and score. He does. He he brings. He can bring you range from with his offense at times. He's he's just a, a he's a winner. If you look, you look back to his whole career, going back to his college days, he's a winner. And, you know, for him to be on the team, like say, we, we he was introduced on a team with Joakim Noah and all these guys from back in the day in Florida, and he's still doing his thing in important playoff games in 2022. That's wholly impressive. Yeah. No he's doubt. Of he's of that. So, of course, there's different types of role players. And a lot of veterans, once they get to that latter end of their career, trans, they kind of make a transition into that role player phase. He's that level of role player now that raises the floor of his team based off of his intangibles. And not, not to even mention, you know, the skill and the, just like you said, the veteran presence that he is to a team and, and confidence and easiness and steadiness. Like the, the Celtics don't have like a traditional point guard on their roster. So a lot of times they rely on him doing things above the arc, with, whether it's a dribble handoff, um, mm -hmm. resetting the offense um, to get the players in positions that they need to be in to be most effective. And my favorite thing about him is just the fact that he's what I like to call a connector for their offense. So our role players on teams across the league, they have like that one player outside of their, their peak players, their top premier players, that's able to help things get to where they need to get to. So let's say, for example, Marcus Smart starts to play a pick and roll. It doesn't work out. He hits, he hits Al Horford on a short roll. He's that player that's able to then get the ball to a Peyton Pritchard or a Grant Williams or Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. 
as that connective piece to get it where it needs to be to then put them in their most advantageous spot. And the same thing goes for their defense. A lot of the reason they're able to run that ever-switching defense that they do, even with Robert Williams in the lineup, is because he's so versatile, as versatile defensively as he is offensively, and being able to guard one through five on any given possession and switch guys, switch with guys on the fly, scram switch, do all these crazy, crazy different things, all with the IQ and acumen to keep guys, you know, in alignment and sticking to whatever scheme or game plan they have in execution. So all I have to say, he's just the, he's the peakest of role players that you can have at this point in the season, and it proved itself in there some last night with him, you know, putting up career-high numbers <laughs> in a muscling game for, for the Boston Celtics, the most important game of the season till this point. What more can you say? Definitely, definitely. But, you know, uh as revelatory as you can you can maybe argue that Boston has been, they're still they still were the higher seed in the series coming in and you know with the home court advantage and stuff. You know, right quick, you know, looking at the other two series where you have lower seeded teams trying to make upset, who who do you think is in a better position? And I say that again with looking at Philly down about fourteen in the second quarter. Uh, and in Miami in Game Five, you know, it, it, it's, the the dance is probably there already. But Dallas is putting a bit of pressure on Phoenix, and uh, you know, do do we do we think that they have a chance to maybe pull the upset, or or is Philly still? Do you, you think maybe in a better position? Go ahead, Stephen. Okay. <laughs> I feel like so Miami had the higher seed, so it wouldn't necessarily be an upset if they handled their business. That's actually what I picked to win this series in six. Now, as I said, I'm asking, I'm asking from the point of view with overseas, Philly and ah, okay. Dallas. Yeah, I would say, I would say Philadelphia has the better chance because they have okay. not only do they have the best player in the series dynamic heavily in their favor, but they also potentially have the second best player in the series on any given night depending on how you rank Jimmy Butler and present-day Jason Tatum, or Jason Tatum, present-day James Harden. So if you're looking at it from that perspective, that's a, that's a high level of variance depending on which James Harden you get. But the, the consistency in Joel and Beast being so dynamic and garnering all the attention of any scheme that Eric Spolster and company can draw up and them potentially being rendered helpless as far as stopping him or even containing him when Joel and B is on his game, you know they have the they have the best the best puncher's chance and their puncher's chance is pretty much as good as any higher ranked seed in any series at this point in the playoffs. So I feel like they're the ones with the with the best chance. And on top of that, their shooters and ancillary players are playing at their peak is the peaks uh, more so than they had at any point in this season prior. So I would definitely go with the Sixers as far as the upsets go. Okay, Chris, you want to add to that, or or you want me to bring in Sabria? It's, it, no, no, I'll say, I'll say, I'll keep it quick. I, I agree with Steven just because um, Philadelphia has Embiid back. And I think um, for once, I can't remember who said it. I want to say Stephen A. Smith, but I might be wrong. But I, I know guys were saying that um, Joel had, being out there helps elevate the Sixers, even if he wasn't at full strength. And I, I think some people were uh, writing that off, but it's true. There's a truth to that. And just having him playing, even if he's not at, you know, when you come into the playoffs, maybe at, at best at 80, 85 percent, 
having him out there helps elevate the team. And it's not like it were a bad team, a real bad team without him. On the other side, Dallas has a lot of good role players along with Luka, Jalen Brunson. Good to see him really stepping up and making his mark on the playoffs. But I, I, I want to say the Mavericks just because I think that Luka has to pull off a heroic performance in order to elevate to that upper, upper tier of players like the top five or six in the league in the playoffs because he's had those first around exits. So even if he's going up against the favorites for the title, he's got to at least take it to seven. And if he knows that, and that's, I think that's something that superstars do. They know when they have to pull the damn horse and the cart and the carriage and everything along with them. And if that's what he can do, you got to shoot better than 32% from the arc. But if that's what he can do, then I would put money on Dallas. It, it would be tough. That's why I'm saying the Sixers have a better shot. But I would I would be very pleasantly surprised if Dallas beat uh, Phoenix. As well said, guys. I think I think both series are going seven. Uh, if, you know, I think they're both going seven. So I, I don't know if either one of them could pull it off on the road in that last game. But I think they're both going to get pushed to that that limit. So. We'll see how it goes. But uh, now let's bring in our special guest for the evening, Sabria. Oh, Sabria's, Sabria's on the road, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying, man, this is what happened when you try to do a show when it's 80 degrees out in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I can't keep that. nobody inside. <laughs> what, what's, good, what's good, Sabria? Where the party at? I'm actually, okay, so I'm actually in Atlanta. Um... Oh, you're in Atlanta. Okay, well. Yes. So I just left Indiana, came to Atlanta because the Sparks played the Dream tomorrow. And as I'm sure you know, this is the first time Erica Wheeler will be playing her former team as well as Kennedy Carter. So it was just one of those games. The tickets went on sale. I immediately copped them because I knew I absolutely had to be there. Okay. That's what's up. I'm glad. Uh, that's good. I'm glad you could jet set like that. So I just got a. Oh, what's it? Oh, well, we gotta see what the signal is in the Uber or whatnot. But hopefully, she could join, rejoin us soon. But uh, yeah, it's Sabria Whitaker. Let's uh, we'll get her back on momentarily. Going through the motions here, but um, okay, let, let me try again here. Okay, Sabria, yes. Huh? Yes. Can y'all hear me? Yeah, we hear you. Okay, okay. Okay. Okay, you good? Yeah, I'm good, I'm good. Okay. Well, I didn't know you were going to be, you know, in like, say, in the middle of an Atlanta trip coming on the show, so I really appreciate uh, you making the time for us. Oh, yeah, no problem. And honestly, it's not even that I'm in the middle of it. It's just Atlanta is one of those places that – you think you're gonna have a schedule and you just really don't. Um, but I'm sure. pulling up to the hotel like literally right now. So it's I, I think I, I think you know uh, Donald Glover would agree. Atlanta is much as much of a state of mind as as an actual place. So, <laughs> but uh, but uh, I got a couple of pressing questions for you just to start off. 
you know, this is my first time really talking to you. So, I, you know, I'm not, you know, going to get into your business much or anything. But, you know, you, I, 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 I got, I, I know, I, I kind of know the answer to this first one. You know, but uh, no, but I gotta ask. Just, just how much did you think Chris messed up uh, filling in for you on Monday? Oh wow! <laughs> oh, I actually did catch the first half because that is when I brought from Indiana to Atlanta. But I think he provided a very good perspective of somebody that was there, and I'm one of those people that, you know, like if you weren't with me shooting in the gym, like. <laughs> but I appreciate him because he was really there shooting in the gym. Like I know exactly what he was talking about referencing 2014. Like I started covering the sky in 2011. So I know, and I always will give my hat off to somebody that has been there and is like a true uh, fan or somebody that's really covering it for the right reasons. So I enjoy it. If I had to pick one person to fill in for me, it would be him. And so I'm glad he did a great job. Yeah, I, wow. you know I'm I'm just messing with you, Chris. You you definitely are true to the women's basketball movement, and it was it was great to see you on the show. So, hey, Sabrina, I I, I sincerely appreciate that. Knowing how long you've been uh, with the team and the league in general, so thank you. Well, thank you. But t- tell us a l- tell us a little bit about your journey and your your development as a. You know, as a you know, a follower, reporter, uh, uh, you know, an influencer, uh, you know, at you know, uh, uh, in in this in this level, I mean, in the world of of women's sports and in women's basketball, how how have you got to this point? You had your organ, you have your organization grow the game, mm-hmm. you know, as, as well. You know, what what is what has fed you and motivated you to uh, get to this point in in your life? Uh, yeah. So I first like discovered the WNBA back maybe like when I was in the eighth grade and I was watching it and I was just like how do I not know about this like you know I've kind of like watching Disney Channel like on Sister Sister you kind of see Lisa Leslie made an appearance and you know back then like you know they were on Martin so I've I've seen little references to the W but I never really no one ever really introduced it to me and I was kind of offended. And I'm like, why aren't you all, like, shouting to the rooftops more about this great league uh, with phenomenal basketball and great players? So I, I'm one of those people that when I like something, I dive right in. So by the time I was a sophomore in high school, I was doing my math studies project on the WNBA and just the marketing and how how many people were familiar with certain teams, certain players, and stuff like that. Um, so, I mean, I kind of – Dropped off a little bit in college just because I went to school in Champaign, which is like two hours from Chicago. So I wasn't really able to follow, um, like covering it like I was in high school with True Star Magazine. So I wasn't able to go to so many of the games. And of course, back then there was no league pass. So you really couldn't watch it if you weren't local. And then when I came back, um, Brittany Sykes is someone that I met when she was a McDonald's All-American when I was covering them for True Star. So we met in 2012 and then she uh, got drafted in 2017. So of course I'm like, okay, I have to support Brittany. I have to see what she's doing. And next thing I know, I was in Atlanta. I just remember being in Atlanta when they were um, on this amazing run because I'd previously interned for the Hawks. 
and the the dream and the hawks used to be in the same building and mm. i was on the floor of the dream more than i was on my own floor working for the hawks so when they made it to the play well to the semis and they were playing washington i was changing flights and and extending hotel stays like every time they won a game and <laughs> and you know like me and Brittany had kind of talked about you know certain things and so she kind of saw like okay you're serious like when you say you are dedicated to the WNBA you really mean it and uh, I had just had the opportunity to have a conversation with her about just brands and the things that I felt like people were missing out on when it came to marketing players so last year she brought me on as her manager so I've had the opportunity to kind of work on the business side of things since I did you know get a degree in communications and then sports uh, management and went to law school um and then last year you know people have seen me over the years okay so like you're the one person i know like if everybody knows me they know at least one person that they know is a w fan so people were like you know you've this for like ever i want to see what's to do it and so i was able to bring like 40 out to our first game and then over 100 people to the next group game that we did and i said okay there's something to this people are starting to believe people are starting to see it and then the sky just took off and just mm. took it to a, a completely different level. So that was how Grow the Game was born. And so after that, I got, you know, tapped into the CHGO Sky podcast. So it's like I'm a, I'm a manager of a player running a nonprofit organization dedicated to women's sports and then, you know, covering it with CHGO. So I wear a lot of different hats when it comes to the W. But yeah. yeah, that's what's up. Yeah, you, you deserve the golf clap there. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just a thing that Keller Regional Gifted Center alumni do. We do a lot, and we do it very well. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's what happens on 108th Street. That's what comes out of there. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're able to shout that out, Chris. <laughs> I don't. I don't. <laughs> I mean, I was I, like I've said it probably three or four times since I've seen Sabrina live, but that, I really do. Like not to derail, but it's so cool to meet somebody that I didn't go to school with personally who came out of that same school because she knows being in that school with a lot of different people from the South Side plopped in the middle of Mount Greenwood. Hmm. You might not get it when you're seven or eight, but then you get older and you realize what you came out of. And it makes it, to me, honestly, it makes it more special. And I always have. I always have love for people who came up in the same place as I do anyway. So knowing that Sabrina is doing infinitely more things than me makes it even better. So that's why I always talk about it. But so you just let me know when you're tired of it. To that degree, I should shout out True Star too. I've done a little work for them in the past. And uh, so yeah, you were doing that as a student, huh, Sabrina? Yeah, um, I joined True Star kind of like, you know, what he was just talking about. I joined True Star because my cousin was in it um, and he was at Julian mm -hmm. and I saw them doing stuff. And I'm like, wow, like you're doing like this is a real job, job, like a job, job. <laughs> and so I saw that one of the co-founders went to Morgan Park and I emailed her and I'm like, hey, fellow Mustang here. And right off that, she's like, OK, hired, like come in next week. And I, I got there. My first cover story was Terry Hilson. And then they saw, like, I kept talking about sports. Like, all I wanted to do was talk about sports. And they let me kind of start up the, the sports program there. And it just took off. And it just allowed me to do a lot of different things. So, yes, you're right. And without True Star, I probably would not be here. That's dope. That's dope. Definitely shout out to True Star. Uh, and, you know, 
Speaking of shouting, there was also a tweet I saw uh, about uh, uh, apparently you were caught yelling something during the opening game uh, on Friday, and I couldn't dis- I couldn't discern what it was. Would, would you would you mind? Uh, you know, apparently you were on the broadcast and everything, but what what were you actually yelling during during that heated moment of the of the Spark Sky guy? I like okay, so if you go back and listen to it, all I'm saying is let's go, Brittany. It's just very <laughs> aggressive because she like right before I start yelling, I think she gets a block or or something. Like I just anytime she does anything, like she could dribble the ball really well, and I'd be like, yeah, Brittany, you better dribble that ball. But like she did something really amazing. I was super excited, and naturally I just kind of yelled. And then everybody in the the section where I was at was kind of like, okay, do you know her? And I'm like, yes, I do. And then the person, uh, like the producer who has the camera, because I'm getting text messages and and tweets like, we can hear you on a broadcast. And I'm like, no, you can't. You're lying. And then he was like, actually, the <laughs> mic is right there. Like, the mic is taped up to the side of the basket, and that's where I was sitting. He was like, yeah, the mic is right there. They absolutely heard you. So then uh, last night, I went back to check, and you can absolutely hear me yelling, let's go, Brittany. I think I know the block you're talking about, too, because that was um, that was an incredible play. <laughs> it was like, man, come, oh, from, my, from my perspective, it was like, come on, man, because – even with the turnovers, and we'll probably talk about this in a second, even with the, the unforced turnover uh, errors, Los Angeles, especially in the second quarter, was getting their hands in all the passing lanes, disrupting uh, successful actions from the first quarter. And Brittany and Jordan Canada were just hellions on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, you know, let, let's go into that, that, you know, starting off the season, you know, Sky, you know, have have their they they're not complete again at the beginning right. of the season. They don't have their complete roster available to them, but still, the the some a lot most of the major players were there. You know, the whole lifting, you know, the the whole franchise, the arena, definitely at at a heightened level, given that they're coming off of the championship season and everything. But though the Sparks have given them trouble in recent times. Well, last year. They're, especially last year, they I think they beat them a couple times. No, there was one there was one overtime game last year that really mirrored a lot like that that game on Friday, where the, the Sparks uh, Sparks sort of stole it uh, at towards the end there uh, from the sky. But you know, you know, either one of y'all, you want to you know just give your thoughts on the game and how it played out. You know, nothing, nothing. You know, judging from last year, you can't really draw too much from the from a season opener at this point. Definitely, we know that. But you know, uh, what 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 do you sort of draw or you know judge from uh, this opener? You know, does it sort of speak to how you know maybe there's maybe more of a, a, a revival in LA and the possibility of them becoming a a contender once again and from the you know, from the West side sort of thing? Um, I mean, well, like you said, like, I think LA beat them both times. It was like, uh, it was like a little, not necessarily a week, but I remember when it was kind of like back to back. And I think uh, they got yeah. both times and then everybody was like, well, okay, well, Candace is playing so cool. And then this time, 
It's like, yeah, we added a finals MVP, but we're also missing, you know, costs. So I don't, like you said, it wasn't really a true reflection um, of probably what they're going to be like in the season. But I do think that we should note that LA has found answers. And you have to think like two of their players are gone and they've added like, what, three at minimum, like four. So just the fact that they're able to do that, you know, so early in the season because they did go on to beat Indiana. And so we'll see what happens tomorrow. But I do think that people, they're they're coming up on people's power play list. So um, I definitely think that. But really, I just think that the sky needs to stop wearing those blue jerseys. I've been saying it for the longest. And every time they wear those jerseys, they lose. So I'm just going to blame the jerseys and say, if maybe if they had those black jerseys, they probably would have won. <laughs> okay, okay, the black black jerseys though. I, I like the Shot Town jerseys though. You think they should get rid of them, huh? Because they, they, you think they're unlucky. Um. Yeah. So I remember last year during the playoffs, um, like it kind of got like the team started noticing because people were talking about it on Twitter. Um, uh, specifically, I want to say Sky Show Shy talked about how like okay, wait a minute. Every time they wear these jerseys they lose. So if you go back and look at them in the playoffs, they stop wearing them. Because wow. the players too realized it and they're like, okay, whether it's true or not, you know, like, at the end of the day, we have lost every time we've worn them, so we're just going to stop. And then look what happened. So And, I mean, and they clinched in the black jerseys too, didn't they? Yeah. If this is not a true indicator that those blue jerseys are bad luck, then I don't know what it is. But so far... <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, I, I never thought about that. That's yeah. Mm. <laughs> but that's funny. That's funny though. But uh, I think it's it's a marketing. I, I, it goes and that goes into marketing. I, I would love for people to you know be able to proudly wear any sort of sky apparel. But uh, you know, if 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 it's that unlucky, I don't know. Maybe we have to stay away from it. You know. I'm a fan of hyper self-awareness from fans and players of the team alike. It's because it shows how, like, tapped in each entity of the, the entire team itself is of, of itself. And as you said, Kyle, you see what they did when they wore the black jerseys and when when they didn't wear the blue jerseys pretty much and <laughs> what they got them last season. So. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, I think uh, – We'll see how they how again how they are when the whole team is there when when KFC is is in effect and you know uh, we'll 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 just have to play play it out maybe we need maybe we need some more data you know we need a another season of uh of data you know with the jerseys you know I, I'll maybe you know, let's not be harsh yet throw the baby out of the bathwater. <laughs> But, but anyway. that, was a, that was a very statistics class answer. I like that, man. I like that. <laughs> right. right. But you talking about Can I could I say something real quick about the first game? Go ahead, go ahead. So it was for one thing, it was just refreshing to see them back on the court and to see like the energy in general around Chicago. They've been picking up steam. Of course after last season when people started picking up late that oh this team's pretty good. Oh they got Candace Parker. Oh they have a black coach. Like, that's, this is different. It's unique. It's pretty much what Chicago's been wanting, but they've been going to the wrong places to look for it as far as what the professional teams are offering. Um, so it was refreshing to see that and to see just the overall attention and energy that they've been receiving from 
like I said, Chicago as a whole. I also like what I saw from uh, from Dana Evans. She talked a lot about how she would typically take that first handful of minutes in the rotation, sitting on the bench and watching Courtney Vanderslew do her thing, and just kind of pay attention to okay, they're playing they're playing the screens this way. Okay, she's jumping on her left hand. I wonder what she's gonna do with me when I come in the game to transition. And of course, it's not gonna be full time, but playing with her in the starting lineup and seeing that cohesion and. Uh, chemistry that they've built up and being able to play and also with her being able to hold it down independent of each other which is one of the biggest one of the biggest entities of the championship run from last season was her being able to basically hold down the fort when Slutty would take her rest but seeing Dana be able to not just hold it down but extend leads to the mm-hmm. extent of her having was it 17 in the third quarter and having a career high in points rebounds and assist or points steals and assists uh, applying pressure defensively on Jordan Canada, pretty much the whole length of the floor, getting deflections and steals all over the place, on ball and in help. Just like seeing her growth in just one game alone, that was just extremely reassuring for me because she's going to be, again, one of the major X factors for the team, um, supplementing everything that the starters do and then adding to that um, in her own unique way. Also, Emma Meesman, um, seeing what she's bringing to the team, Again, adding to the overall versatility that all of the top players on the sky have and seeing how her dynamic is going to mesh and mold with what was already there. Of course, you know, KFC wasn't there and, you know, a few others weren't there, but just seeing what she can bring to the table and seeing how easily she's kind of just meshing into what, what, what James Wade has this team doing, it was all just really reassuring. And I have no, I have no doubt that this team will be able to, Avenge themselves and potentially repeat as champions again, based off of that alone. Mm. Definitely, Dana was definitely very impressive in that opener, and, and definitely that should be a good sign to see that they, like you say, Stephen, that they will have a, that sort of playmaking ability coming off the bench at point guard, not just not have to have so much weight on on Vandersloot, you know, to create an uh, offense, you know, so they could. You know, come at you in different ways with that, but uh, I want I want to jump right quick. Uh, we look, not gonna keep you for too long, Sabria. You know, but uh, just give your thoughts a little bit on the the league as a whole. I got in front of me, uh, you know, a power ranking from uh, the SB Nation website, uh, a women's basketball website. Uh, you know, about a week before the season, they had the sky. As the top top team in the in the league, of course, coming off the title, Connecticut they had at number two, Seattle at number three, and the Aces at number four, and Phoenix Mercury at five. Uh, you know, what what do you think about that sort of ranking of a power ranking coming into the season? And you know, if you would if you would rearrange those teams or, or add anybody else in, in that top five. You know, who, who, you know, basically, what are the teams do you think uh, do you see as the biggest threats to the sky and them uh, trying to repeat this year? Um, definitely the Aces. I think they gave us a hard time all last hmm. year. I think they always give us a hard time, actually. But, you know, to see just – I love Becky Hammond. Like, I have her jersey. I can't wait to go to that game because I will be there, like, with a Sharpie asking for this autograph but I just love her I've always loved her as a player and I know they talk a lot about like Bill 
um, saying that Asia couldn't shoot threes and now Asia's shooting threes. So to have developed that in Asia already being a problem. And I mean, she had like what, 15 rebounds and like a, a impressive number of rebounds to go with her point that she had a double double, huge double double. So I'm definitely going to say that I will put them as two because I mean, I'm sorry. I just can't fear Connecticut. I- after last year, I really mm. thought we were going to lose that series. We really should have lost that series. I just, I'm sorry. Like, you had Coach of the Year, MVP, most improved. Like, you had everything and you lost. Um, so, that doesn't really scare me. And although they, you know, they do have Courtney Williams back, unfortunately, that still just doesn't scare me. So, I will move them down. Um, Seattle, I mean, yeah, fear Jewel, fear Brianna Stewart, but. They don't really scare me too much either. Um, and Phoenix absolutely doesn't scare me. So, I mean, like you saw what happened. Um, do do so you think was- Phoenix is in a tough – of course, they're in a tough spot without Brittany. Yeah. You know, how do you, how much do you think that's going to affect them going throughout – you know, as that plays out throughout this season? A hundred percent. Like, I mean, like, to me, Brittany Griner like my best player – in this league like so to lose that and rely so heavily on her because you know all you got to do is she posts up in the paint and you just give her the ball you'll be fine like you know that that's pretty much a guaranteed bucket so to lose that um yeah i i just really don't know how they're gonna replace that i mean yeah they added diamond and i've always said like diamond and kyle were like basically the same player so if, if diamond could tap into that and really get that out of her then i think she could help them but i mean you just can't replace um bg unfortunately so i think yeah. they're gonna have to work really really hard to figure something out well it, well they bring in tina charles too i mean so you look at i don't know i guess a twin towers type situation they were trying to build for themselves but you don't you know you lose one of those in, in the mean, in the meantime, because of you know the, the the unfortunate happenings in Russia, you know what what if 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 there's some way that they get that team together the way that they want it, mm-hmm. you know by the end of the year, do you think that that will make a difference to have both of those players? That, you know, okay, doing thing? so so I think that like Chicago, like if you ask maybe. Who were Chicago's like franchise players throughout the years? I as much as like Vanderquist have been integral in everything, I think they've always kind of been team players, and nobody would ever really say it was like them versus everybody else. And so I, I say that because I think you when you start adding great players who had like known for carrying other teams and put them together, you're going to end up with a, a Los Angeles Lakers situation. So I don't really think that, like, to me, Tina is somebody who likes to put teams on her back and go crazy. And I don't think that works when you also have a Diana and a Skyler who also like to put teams on their back and try and go crazy because you're not, like, they're so focused on being that, that player. You can't have three that player, you know? So I just... Too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah, hopefully they prove me wrong because I just, I just don't. I mean, have there? I was when I was thinking about that. I was thinking uh, when you mentioned that, Sabrina, because I I know that you, you have a point. We see it in professional basketball all the time. 
especially in this day and age, one with the W still being a league of 12 teams where you can have top quality players, at least probably two on every team if you make, if you do it right. And in the NBA where a lot of players have started to kind of group up. But when the, when the, when the mist, when the uh, Mercury won in 2007, they had Diana and they had um, Cappy Pondexter on that same team. It wasn't necessarily a third player who was going to like take the rock and be like everybody clear out, but they had two top quality players who learned to coexist. And I, I feel mean, like, oh, go ahead. I feel like for the Mercury, this was having Tina Charles in the fold was kind of a way for them to rest and kind of taper back and manage Diana's minutes throughout the season to a point where she won't be in the situation she was last season where she was heading into the playoffs with a ton of injuries. She missed a, missed a few games down the stretch, if my memory serves me correct. And then she was on the injury report for every game pretty much after the after the opening round, and there was a question as to whether she was going to be good enough to finish. She really wasn't at her best of she – was, she wasn't at the best of her talents because of her health. So if they were able to kind of taper that back and kind of manage her throughout the season, adding Tina Charles helps them add a piece that can always step up and be that third option or potentially second option at any given point. And then the same thing goes for in the playoffs where Diana can rest and always play a Mariano Rivera role and be their closer, fresh and healthy, you know, all those other things kind of adding up over the course of the season definitely sways and helps play into their favor. And then, of course, it was unexpected, but with Brittany's unfortunate situation, having a player of that caliber to be able to step into that role in a way, kind of, it, you know, it, it helps and kind of balances itself out in that sense. So good on them for adding her, but I definitely agree with you that it could definitely be like an overkill type situation when all of those pieces are in the fold at the same time. But we'll see about it. <laughs> I mean, we saw that in the Olympics. Like, like you think that, like you think, if you pick all the best players of the W, we would have a great team. And granted, we won, yeah, but that team looked terrible. That Olympic mm. team that we just had looked a hot mess. And I don't think that's gonna fly. Like, if you took maybe that team and like a, a team of alternates, like two like Olympic teams from all of the talent in the US, I don't think that that team would have probably made it out. Like I really don't. But I like I said, I guess we will see. <laughs> I, I wanna throw out a uh before we before we wrap up this part of the segment, uh and let you go, Sabria. Why uh, you keep trying to kick me off the show? I, oh I didn't I didn't know you oh, if you said, I'm staying all, all night. Said I'm here all night. I ain't even going to the game. <laughs> hey, I'll, excuse me. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> nah, nah. But uh, I want to throw another preseason ranking out to to y'all. Uh, you know, ESPN put out uh, a list of, of the, who they thought was the top twenty-five. You know, these can you know bring about conversations in some of the worst ways. You know, with NBA, definitely with NBA list. But I want to want to get y'all opinions with this with this W list, top twenty five players in the league. And uh, at number one, they had Brianna Stewart. Number two, Jaquell Jones. Number three, Adrian Wilson. Number four, Sylvia Files. Number five, Skylar Diggins Smith. And uh, going on, 
you know, Jewel Lloyd, Courtney Vandersloot is the top sky list at number seven. Tina Charles at number eight, Candace Parker at number nine, and Enrique Ogunwale at number ten. It looks like it looks like you're not satisfied by that list. You is I mean you honestly could have stopped at Skyler, but to say Enrique, you absolutely can stop right there. Um, to me, this part, whoever wrote this list, I can tell that they probably just started watching the W within like the last couple of years. Like, <laughs> there's there's no way you get that far and not mention a Cappy Pondexter, a Cheryl Swoops. Like you just, oh, you just it's just for the season. Oh, this season? Yeah, I was wondering. I was like, I heard, I, I heard that vitriol. I was like, woo! But you wouldn't, you wouldn't have Skyler at number five. Enrique, I'm sorry, Enrique don't belong on that list. I don't even know. Anywhere on the, any, not the top 25 no, no, in the league. No, 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 no. She doesn't belong anywhere on that list, and I definitely. Wow. I'm sorry. Um, I definitely mm. don't. I don't know if I would put, like, I would have to think really hard about who else will go on there. But, like, if I have to put Skyler on there, I'm probably going to put her at, like, 25. Wow. I know we don't have a lot, a lot of time to, like. player who you would say has, has been wholly underappreciated in the league? Who you think, you know, maybe has the chance to shine, get, get more light shine on them this season? But you know, regardless of you know, think in your opinion, think you think they need more light shine on. Um, I mean, I think Kai's getting it. I think we saw that. Um, it's like, I mean, okay, so look, like Candace Dupree, right, was in the league last year. She hasn't been picked up by a team yet, but she also hasn't like officially retired. Um, I think she gets so disrespected to be someone who's still on like all-time leader type boards um but like those are the two i could probably get off the top of my head and of course i'm gonna say Brittany sykes um duh so i just just want her to to get more respect to get because i mean if you if you go back and look at like the last like the sky game i went back and read the media notes and if you go to where it says like the los angeles notes it talks about both times when to get the lead, it was Brittany. And she gets a lot of love for her defense, but she is truly a two-way player. Uh, to like have as many points as she has in double figures and almost 10 rebounds, and then she could add five steals or blocks in a game easy, I really would like to see her get more respect. Okay. Well, like, you know, like I said, I want, I want to get into some of my – other topics that I, you know, I got on my uh, rundown, and um, not, you know, uh, I guess one of the big stories from this weekend was uh, the, you know, the reveal of Diamond the Shields uh, through ESPN and uh, Outside the Lines show about her, uh, you know, really a, a incredible situation she uh, got into, you know, a back uh, had a. a well, I guess what was this, a cyst or a uh, tumor? Tumor, yeah, tumor. You no, know, non, you know, not cancerous, but still uh, in, uh, a tumor in a very bad spot, you know, pretty much on the spine. And you know, she had to get that get that tumor uh, taken out. It was done early in 2020, and um, you know, this was something that she kept entirely to herself. You know, it winds up being a situation where. 
you know, she she has the procedure done right before the the pandemic and everything shuts down. So you wind up having, you know, her her next games after her procedure being in the in the bubble, the wobble down in Florida later that year. And she really had a tough time of it, didn't finish that season with the sky. And a lot of people at the time were, you know, looking at, you know, what was up really up with her and, you know, the the, the conventional thought, you know, because it was all that we knew was that she was having issues supposedly with her knee. But, you know, as, as it was put, as she put her herself, herself over the weekend, you know, sometimes it's more than a knee. And, you know, it was, uh, like I say, something that really almost threatened her whole career. And, you know, the video of her, you know, I want to show a little bit of this video from YouTube, you know, of her, you know, having these seizures or what, whatnot, these, uh, you know, not being able to control her body in the wake of, of the uh, the procedure to get the tumor out of her, you know, it's just really, really incredible visuals. And the, you know, the story itself is, was amazing and really just, uh, I, I think it, 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 it wrenches, it, I, I, I use the word wrench my heart, you know, thinking about what she was going through. And, you know, the fact that it, it sort of played into her not, her role changing as a Sky player. You know, we were talking, I remember talking at the beginning of the, the 2021 season with James and, and, and you, Chris, about possibilities of her being an MVP candidate. And, you know, that didn't play out. You know, she winds up by the end of the year sort of being overshadowed by other players on the team, by Candace definitely, by KFC, who, you know, did, who, who you know, Copper did so much to, uh, you know, assert herself, in the, especially in the postseason. And, you know, Diamond was able to get that satisfaction of being a world champion as part of the team, but she wasn't on the court at the last second. And that was some, that was part of the story as well. Her sort of thinking, well, you know, I, I should have, you know, imagining herself to be on that, on the court at that last moment and have that moment, but you know, it wasn't meant to be. And, and part of it, you know, big part of that uh, draws back to what she had to deal with physically. So, you know, giving it to you guys, like, you know, what, what were you guys thoughts on just the reveal of that story and, you know, what does it make you think about, you know, uh, Diamond overall and, and you know, how, you know what, do you, what do you take away from all that? Um, I mean, I, like, my first thoughts were, wow, I wish, I wish she had decided to tell people because I think she got a lot of just flex from everybody. And yeah. I mean, it's, it's easy to say, like, you don't know what someone is going through. Right. But to be um, an athlete on a team like the Sky or just in the league of a so small league in general, it's kind of like, well, typically we would know. Right. Because then that would be part of what comes out on the injury report or just that it's just not I don't think it's typical to not disclose something like that, that it's clearly affecting your ability to play and then people would know that that's how they're judging you as opposed to just thinking oh diamonds something's off 
with Diamond. Like, it would be very different. So I wish she had shared it. But obviously, she did things when she wanted to, how she wanted to. And I respect her for that. Um, but I also kind of wish, like, you know, Chicago could have been able to show her more love before she left, knowing that. Um, but hopefully she turns it around and, like, she's able to continue her story and get another championship one day where she can actually be on the court during the final seconds. And then it'll make a great part, too. I was um, I was talking to Janice about this yesterday, and I haven't had the chance to talk to James about it on the Skyhook yet, but we were – we were uh, watching the games in 2020, knowing that something was wrong. Um, and it, and then last year, knowing that it couldn't have just been a knee injury. You know, it's, it's not hockey, right, where they specifically, you know, keep injuries vague because it's a contact sport and you know other players might target uh, the injured player. But at the same time, it was uh, somewhat myst- mystifying, I think, just because when it was obvious that Diamond was not the same Diamond, but a lot of people were going by, like you said, Sabrina, the injury report. And if it was, you know, whether it was just um, something, you know, at the time we didn't know, in my mind, whether it was just something like a mental, mental recovery or just getting back used to being her full self that we saw in 2018 and 19, we knew it wasn't the same. And I think... You know, not to James' discredit, I think he was going by the injury report the same way we were, just that something she had lost something. But when I saw the story come out, I, I, it's a bad thing to say I felt validated, but having seen so many people kind of write it off is maybe she just doesn't have what we thought she had or she like the injury was more severe than we were initially told. It was validating in that respect because we all saw what Diamond could do. Uh, I said this, and I will still say this until my dying breath. The block she had on Dewana Bonner in the 2019 playoff game was one of the most impressive and beautiful things I've seen on a basketball court. It was like she got dropped out of the sky on Elvis night, and she came out and blocked that ball. It was like Pippen blocking um, Aguirre in 91. It was almost the exact same play, and I will never forget it. And that's why I'm hoping that she is, at some point, if not already fully recovered, fully recovered so we can see that player play again. Um, that's, I'm happy she's in Phoenix. I'm happy that she was able to, to, to say this. And I, and I honestly agree to some degree of her saying she didn't want it used against her because in sports and the, to, the, to a greater degree, it's life in this day and age. People, you know, you'll say, man, I've been depressed over the last few weeks. And pe- there'll be a lot of people who come out and support you. There'll be a lot of people who say you need to shake that shit off because the response is not going to be wholeheartedly positive. Even in something like that, there will be people who say, you know, my brother's cousin's friend had a tumor on his spine. He was back playing in like two weeks. Some, some bullshit like that. I, I think that the way that she's come up from North Carolina to Tennessee to the WNBA, even, and even before that as a child of a, of a major league baseball player, she has, has set herself apart. By need and by, by 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 external need and by internal need, and so it makes sense that she went about it the way that she did, and and for a person who to some degree is is similar, I can't fault her for that. Yeah, yeah I mean, you guys, Steve, you want to add anything? Yeah, not too much, but I mean, you guys pretty much hit on everything that encapsulates what Diamond is. 
of course, we got the best wishes for her, you know, her future endeavors now that she's with the Phoenix Mercury. Um, but kind of even independent of the story itself, I was always a fan and appreciative of, without the knowledge that we have now, just a just a never-ending motor and the activity and the energy, like, that she brings, that she always brings to the court, like, not just to the team from the sideline cheering on her teammates, but that she also puts forth on the court. Like, you can see the level of activity and just overall energy and enjoyment of the game that she brings out of every other player on the court that's in the same jerseys. And, like, a lot of people talk about leadership being putting up points or doing it in the key moments or dictating and talking to people. Energy or energy and the way that you can infect your team with it to uplift and bring a team to, a, you know, a higher level of play, that's leadership in itself as well. And from that respect, she's one of the biggest leaders in the W and the biggest leaders in sports in general because she has that infectious dynamic about her. And you can see how responsive and just how she really just brings everybody together. And she was a big reason why the, the Sky won the championship last season. She might not have put up the numbers that some people expected or wanted her to. She might not even put up the numbers that she wanted to herself. But in that respect, as far as the dynamic she brought to the team and being just just so, just so like, fun-loving and always loose, you know, bringing even a youthful version of Candace Parker out <laughs> every opportunity she had, she was just an invaluable piece. So I'm glad she was able to be at peace enough to bring this story to the forefront and for her to have done so and been able to do so after winning the championship as well. I just wish the best for her. Um, my respect grew for her even more, and you know, I hope I hope the future has more successes um, awaiting her. Definitely, definitely. Uh, yeah, this is like I say, a really amazing story. Tough, just tough thing to deal with, and you know, really shows the heart of a of a premier athlete like that. You know, and that's definitely what Diamond is. You know, to be able to get over all, all that. So, yeah, definitely share your thoughts there. You know, wish the best for. Her. And she, and she has the. I, that's one thing I was thinking too. Like, you know, her getting that title and being a part of that team is always going to endear her to folks here in Chicago. So, uh, you know, she she has that as a as a as a home. You know, as a home in a lot of ways, and uh, you know. Whatever success she has on um, elsewhere in the league, you know that's uh, you know she'll still have that uh, place of home here in Chicago. So it's good for her, you know, and she has that history that uh, that she was a part of as well. So, but um, uh, I guess uh, before, like I said, before we do wrap up, I'm, I'm saying we're not going. I'm, I'm not kicking you off, Sabrina. I'm just wrapping up the show. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, speak uh, speak a bit about uh, speak a bit more about you know uh, grow the game and uh, I know you had a, a an after party event at a, a you know, after Friday's game uh, and, and uh, apparently you planned more throughout the wasn't able to make the last one but I know Chris was there and uh, you know represent for us so uh, hopefully I can make some you know one of y'all future events but. You know what? What 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 are you looking to do along those ends as far as keeping up awareness and you know, like I said, advocating and just doing things that are maybe fun as well as uh you know, you know, uh, getting people uh you know involved with women's sports and women's basketball. Yeah. Um. So definitely looking to kind of get that fellowship going, just with everyone to to be able.
able to take that from the game and, and meet up um, outside of that. So um, although we sell tickets for um, all the Sky Home games, so anybody can go on worldgamew.com right now and click the ticket link and they can get single game tickets for any of our games. But we've chosen a game, and that schedule is going to come out this week. We've chosen a game uh, for at least, like, once a month to do something special. So, like, on the Aces game, it's going to be, like, Sneaker Saturday. So, everybody, we want everybody to wear their, their best shoes. We're going to have uh, partners like Foot Locker involved. And we're going to do some nice giveaways. I always try to do some giveaways and have an event afterwards and like Britney Sykes came to the one against LA trying to always um get a player involved to kind of like really show what it means to grow the game and I think with uh women's sports a lot of that comes from just being accessible and having those face-to-face um interactions with fans um doing like I said more giveaways Um, with jerseys this time since that was like a big thing last season just wanted to give more people opportunity to get autographed items and jerseys trying to just get more partners involved and we're going to do a lot of more crossover um games this year so we'll have a red stars night at one of the sky games and then with the red stars so then we're going to have a chicago Mm. sky night at a red stars game and then um, in the off season, we work with the Paul women's basketball team, and we have a hometown hero in Anissa Morrow. Absolutely love Anissa. I will like be the president of her fan club, and I will string her name throughout <laughs> all of Chicago. Um, and just you know, obviously having um, Ali as as the face of the Paul and playing in Wintrust, so we're gonna have a DePaul day um, there as well, and just try to bridge that gap because. I mean, one, not just the fact that I don't think people or the league or teams capitalize enough off of those uh, college connections. Because when you look at the, the Final Four, March Madness, those arenas are amazing. Like, they're packed out. And we have to find a way to keep that going and carry that on into um, the WNBA. But also just knowing that when people love women's sports. Um, like, Angel City is a, the new soccer team for the National Women's Soccer League. They just had a huge turnout for their first game. And so seeing the Red Stars fans and the Sky fans, a lot of us talk on Twitter anyway, so why not try and figure out how to bridge that gap there as well? So just trying to think outside the box, get more teams involved, get more partners involved, and get more players involved is really what we're trying to focus on this season. Now you, you're very much on, you know, you're working the movement pretty much at a grassroots level at the moment. Mm-hmm. But, you know, looking at the bigger, at a, at a bigger picture, you know, when it comes to the big, you know, how to, you know, get more money into the league as a whole to allow it to to allow, allow it so that there isn't so many this obvious disparities between the league and between that, the WNBA and other leagues, you know, men's leagues in general, but definitely, you know, comparing it to the NBA, you know, uh, what, what do you, what do you, is there anything specifically that you could recommend or rec, you know, or, di- or diagnose as far as like just w- you know ways that you know those things can happen over the course of time, you know, sooner rather than later, you know, because it, it seems like the you know the the you know, the the timeline is just is is very you know elongated with the league and you know. Uh, 
you know, there's like the talk there was talk this week about, you know, uh, expansion, but maybe in a couple years, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe a couple teams in a couple years and stuff like that. You know, what do you thought? You know, how do you think that we can do things or see see improvements, real improvements, in in you know maybe in in a more expedited fashion. Yeah, um, well, I will say that, like, the work that I've done with the Sky, I've been able to kind of have those conversations, like, with the owner of the Atlanta Dream. He's great. I'm so excited to see what he's doing and just to be able to to make that phone call and have someone listen to me and, and figure out how that works in Atlanta um, to try and do things with the Sparks and Dallas Wings. Um, so just taking it to the team level, but then I've also been able to have a conversation with someone who works for the WNBA. So the fact that like they they know, they're taking notice, they know who I am, they know what I'm doing and having those conversations to see what that looks like um, at all the the team levels, at the league level. I think it also starts with the players. Like, you know, I, I think that the WNBA has a bad habit of not really asking the players what they want. And then I think the players have a really bad habit of not saying what they want. So like recently we've seen a lot of comments about this new CBA or about wanting or needing a new CBA about how it's going to affect their overseas play because they have to be there at training camp and there's all these different things and they don't want to fly on commercial flights. They want, you know, to fly private. And that's why like Natasha cloud is alluding to why she's not playing tonight because it's still a pandemic and they, flu uh, commercial and just those things I'm just trying to have have conversations with them to say okay well I don't know if you know this but like you all are responsible for your CBA so like don't tell Twitter tell them like just at that level like I just think all of this starts when everybody's able to communicate and that means saying what you want and saying what you mean and then meaning what you say and having the person that you're talking to hear that because I think all the time, like, fans are like, we want X, Y, and Z. And then the league will come out, hey, everybody, guess what? We've got one, two, and three. And we're all just like, but we said X, Y, and Z. So I think once people start listening to each other and working together, that's going to be the start of everything. Because, like, right now, I don't think expansion of teams is the best answer. Um, with more teams, maybe the roster. Like, let's start there. So I think maybe we need to take a step back. Like, just remember that it's only been 25 years and see what we can actually do because I don't want them to rush it. And we, like, every week we're complaining about new things on WNBA Twitter. Let's not, you know, add two more or four more teams into that mix. Like, let's figure it out now. Um, Talk to people who are grassroots like me. Talk to the players. And then we can have a conversation about that because – if they can't, if the Aces have a hard time getting to, let's say, Connecticut, I don't know how they think anyone from a Toronto team is going to be able to get to, like, Chicago. So that's where I think they need to start. Okay. All right. Well, you know, I'm glad you mentioned, I'm glad you met, you, you, you brought up the phrase WNBA Twitter in the in their last talk there because uh, that's the last thing I kind of want to get into in a, in a general sense in the – the, I, I actually want to – it makes me think about comparing WNBA Twitter to NBA Twitter, which, you know, the NBA Twitter can be very uh, – I, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know how to describe it, but, you know, I put on the rundown that 
it's you know the playoffs it may not be meant to be enjoyed the, and i'm talking about the nba playoffs because every discussion that i kind of see on nba twitter it sort of stems from something some sort of dissatisfaction with something dissatisfaction with referees and their calls dissatisfaction with awards and who they're giving to and you know uh, awards being based on the regular season and not the postseason or vice whatever you know uh teams that are not playing particularly well injur- injuries left being left without key players at key times and you no know, like there was a game last night between uh you know uh memphis and golden state that you know it was a very competitive game but it wasn't very satisfying to look at <laughs> and i just wondered like i this sort of just came to me that that was my that was that's what i want to focus on in general for this last subject but I, before going into that i just you know you know chris and sabria definitely you you factor into WNBA Twitter quite a bit, and I'm, I'm guessing you know you are, you're exposed a lot to NBA Twitter as well. I don't know how much you guys uh, you know really delve into it, but do you see any difference between the two entities as they as they you know uh, really interact with each other and sort of promote and interact with the game that they that they're obsessed with? If I see a difference, uh, I think there's the NBA Twitter is kind of given towards um, not just statistics because people watch and there's breakdowns of sequences and actions and plays, but I think there's more analytics type people who have a larger, who have a greater uh, reach on NBA, NBA Twitter, so to speak. And that's not to say that there aren't those people on WNBA Twitter. Um, Nikias Duncan is a numbers guy and he's a very, very good. Um, everybody across the timeline and her hoop stats uh, specifically go towards putting the numbers up so that you can see a deeper level of each player and each team and what makes them uh, good, bad, or otherwise. But if, if I've seen anything in terms of a difference, I think it's that, um, that there's more discourse on NBA, on the NBA side of things about numbers, which numbers mean, which numbers are useless, stats, 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 stats. And on WNBA side, there is that, but it's within the larger context of the game as as a medium, I think, because that is part of the WNBA. The game is a medium to a larger end a lot of the time, like we saw in 2020, um, like we're seeing in 2021. I haven't been able to ask anybody their thoughts on the Supreme Court news, but you can believe I'm asking somebody about that the next time I'm in the interview room, because as I don't want it to be a targeted question, but it's important, and I know that there's already, there has to be some discourse on it, and I'm interested to see what that is. So I think in NBA Twitter, you had that one 2020 season where cats were talking about activism. And now we're back to talking about, you know, what Marcus Smart's hair looks like and different things like that. Uh, it's um, it's really hard to parse. 
that that makes a lot of sense, Chris. Because I think attitudinally, I would expect. You know, I'm not. I'm not as ingratiated with WNBA Twitter as y'all are, but with NBA, yeah, so much with NBA Twitter, so much of it boils down to, like you say, getting off jokes and you know, you know, uh, t- tearing down storylines or enhancing storylines, and you know, s- s- there's a lot of standum that's involved with certain with players and teams, and it's just you know, toxicity. In general, it takes a lot of forms in NBA Twitter, and I, I wouldn't expect that as much in WNBA Twitter. You know, if, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but you oh, know, there's toxicity it, still. <laughs> it's still Twitter. Yeah, of course. It, yeah, of course, it's Twitter. But you, st- but like you said, there's the plat, there's the the medium that's involved. There's, uh, I would think, you know, with those who follow and really support the WNBA. There's more of a mission statement that's involved, more of a, of you know, focus on advancement as opposed to, you know, sort of tearing down things, you know, and and you know, I don't know. What Sabrina, you, you gave me a look there. What, you know, feel free to jump in. Okay. Yeah. So I think, in theory. Like, sure, like, maybe there's an attitude with the WNBA of, like, give grace and we have to try extra hard to elevate the game and and get it to be more respected. But, I mean, you do have people on WNBA Twitter who, I mean, there's toxicity everywhere, unfortunately. Like, it's not, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. And then to a certain extent, I also think that might be to the WNBA's detriment, like, you know, there are unfortunate situations um, that have happened, like last year with the um, a physical altercation that occurred um, with a player um, outside of, you know, the court. But just it was like a big thing. And I don't think mm. there was much investigating with it. The same way of like, I just saw like last week, somebody was talking, about, we never got answers about the Kennedy Carter situation. I said, okay, well, you're a journalist. Did anybody ask? Nobody could tell me, like, yes, I asked about this situation and I either was given a runaround or I just wasn't able to find anything. Nobody did the work because I know for a fact there are some individuals at the team level and just some teams who unfortunately take things personally. And I think maybe they understand that if I get to the scoop, even though it's the truth, even though it's the facts, then maybe they won't let me into you know, they won't approve my media credential next week because everybody is just trying to be so positive all the time. And that's just mm. not what sports are. Like, I mean, obviously, I don't want anything to get out of hand, but I like a little spice. I like, you know, a little drama <laughs> here and there. I think I think sports are drama. Like, to me, that's part of entertainment, right? You need drama. Uh, so, I don't know. Maybe it's like, I think NBA Twitter is probably on one end of the spectrum and then WNBA Twitter is on the other end and we both need to just find somewhere in the middle. That's that's a very that's a very good point that you bring up too about yeah, sometimes you need the spice, sometimes you need the drama. And and that was something that I kind of noticed earlier this year when you had that you had like about a week or so where the WNBA was getting in the mix quite a bit with the the free agency and stuff. Mm -hmm. And this was around the time of the Super Bowl and everything was going on. And, you know, of course, the NBA 
uh, trade deadline was near that time too. And at the same time, WNBA was getting a lot of play on my timeline and everything like that. No, I think that was a good thing to see. That was an encouraging thing to see where, you know, you not you. Every major sport they have sort of a twenty-four hour uh, news cycle and and definitely a twelve-month news cycle that they can play into off-season as well as as uh, their ongoing season. And you know that's that's when you can tell that we're we're really obsessed with stuff when we talk about it during this downtime. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know the WNBA can play into that and get headlines and get trend trending topics in February and in January as well as June and July or August, you know, that's definitely got to be an encouraging thing for the sport. I agree. I, I think um, one thing that I, I want to get Sabrina's take on this, I know it's talking about spice is going to be there. There's got to be even, even for the China trial that they had with the draft show this year, it was well below expectations and what could have been. So there's a lot of that's on the network, but so whoever is running the network, if they want to be the main focal point for um, WNBA games content, then they've got to put the product out there that really holds people's attention. Cause that's another thing um, about, I mean, basketball fans in general, I say in general are a discerning bunch. We watch this game that is full of little intricate things that come to a product uh, to a a culmination. So I think we can see when the max effort isn't being put in and is being put in, depending on who who it is. And that goes with the the production of it, too. So you got this day and age. It's not 1947 when the NBA started. TV is out there. Internet is out there. All these different ways to broadcast and produce games are out there. But the people producing the actual thing have to be better. They just got to be better. Um, Sabrina, I don't want to take the time away just for you to weigh in on that because I, I didn't see um, anything that you necessarily had to say about the draft show because partially I was isolated with COVID too, but I'd be very interested to hear what you had, uh, what you thought about it. Um, we actually also uh, were like halfway, we were taping um, like the first half, like we missed the first half because we were on like the CAP. Yeah, that's right. So I didn't even get a chance to really watch it. Um, but from what I've gathered, I mean, obviously the problem is like, well, why is it only an hour? Like every mm. other draft show, it's so long. You are interviewing the person's neighbor's cousin, sister, and like you just get into their <laughs> whole life story. But with the W, it's like, okay, next, next. Like, you know, you, you still have Destiny Henderson on the screen and you've called like three other people. Um, so that's number one. I know that there were a lot of conversations happening about just like it was more so like fashion, I guess. Like, I, like again, I didn't get a chance to really see it, but just the orange carpet and they were talking about, you know, what people were wearing and stuff like that. Um, and I think they have to figure out a way to, you know, make it about basketball and keep it about basketball. But like the the balance of kind of going outside of that. Because I think, again, it's like W fans and the community has uh, overcompensated a little bit. And you don't want to, like, you know, people are like, well, you don't want to make it, like, too girly because then, like, you know, people won't respect it as a sport. And just figuring out what that is. And I just think, like, I've said it earlier today or yesterday, I just think that the W needs to find partners who actually like the league. 
once we start there and maybe then we can get what we deserve and grow from there. But as, as long as you keep like going to the same people who clearly do not care and are not trying to um, elevate or, you know, take the league to the next level, we're just going to keep running into the same problems. True enough. Well, yeah, that yeah, definitely uh, got a lot more work to do, a lot of things to get over. But in the meantime, you know, we're going to kick it and uh, definitely try to follow the the example of people like you, Sabria. Thank you very much for uh, coming on with us and kicking it with us. Of course. Uh, we really appreciate you. We hope to get you back on soon when you're back in town. Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And then I promise I won't be in the car. <laughs> hey, Steven oh, does it all the time, so you know we 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 get used to it. You ain't it's cool. If you got to ride around, you know next time, you know. But we'll we'll see. We'll see what we'll see what we can do. We will any way we can get you on in the future. We'll we'll be appreciative, bro. Of course. Do you, do you have a date for the next post game pressure? Um, I don't remember which game is next. I don't know if. The Aces game is the next game. I will have to go back and look. But, like, once I – it'll be on the schedule. Like, I'm trying to get this week. But it'll definitely be next month, probably. But tell everybody how to follow you and, and grow the game so that, uh, sure. you know, they can maybe get that information in real time whenever it comes out. Yes. And you can always uh, follow Grow the Game on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, um, Facebook, everything is at Grow the Game W, and our website is www.growthegamew.com. Okay, and of course, you're doing uh, Chicago Sky podcast with CHGO. Uh, when, when, when do you guys put those out? Uh, typically, they're every Monday at 5 30 Central Time. Okay, all right, definitely appreciate you. Thanks again for showing love to Chris. And uh, you know, glad to make you part of our running family as well. Like I said, we definitely want to get you uh involved with uh you know our, our WNBA coverage going forward. You know, you definitely add a lot to it. Well, thank you. Always happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me, and I can't wait to come back. Cool, cool. Steve and Chris, y'all got anything to add before we wrap up? Support the rights of uh support reproductive rights for everybody. Uh, fight this fight this upcoming decision wherever you can. Follow me on Twitter at Quandary Kitten, K-W-A-N-D-A-R-Y Kitten, and the Skyhook Pod at the Skyhook Pod. Yes, sir. And then you can follow me at StayTrueS.3 on Twitter. Uh, wrapping up this NBA playoff coverage, doing the same thing, uh, getting ready to get going with the WNBA covers exclusively with the Sky. We're talking about the W as a whole. Uh, I'll be having a lot of content coming up for both entities moving forward. And um, Sabrina, appreciate your your conversations. I like the work that you and um, what's your co-host name again? Oh, Janice. Janice, Janice, right? Yeah, you and Janice. I like the work that you guys are doing on this new platform with CHGO. Um, looking forward to the work that you guys are coming out in the future. Thank you. And shout out to everybody over there at CHGO, and definitely shout out to. Uh, Everybody here at War Media, uh, at War Media on Twitter, on YouTube, Facebook, IG. Uh, you can follow us on all those platforms. War on Anchor, our podcast distribution uh, through Anchor.fm. We are on all major platforms, including Spotify, 
Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. So if you uh, if you're on a pod, if you if you like to listen to podcasts, especially on Apple, uh, if, you, if you if you can rate us, give us a good good rating. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. We get our, you get our uh, live streams like this one. Uh, get advance notice whenever we uh, go live and uh, you know chop it up with us if you can. You're always welcome to chat with us on our our, our uh, comment section and everything. And uh, yeah, that's it for now. Uh, we'll be back probably next week with a new show, uh, getting deeper into the uh, NBA conference finals. We'll be pretty much set up with those uh, matchups by then. Uh, have uh, our other guys on as well. Uh, shout out to those fellas, uh, Drew and Josh and Gabe. And uh, yeah, in the, in, in the meantime, y'all keep bouncing and keep supporting women's sports. We out.